This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, but off the top in this hour, I want to talk about some, some changes announced uh, regarding uh, busing uh, in Calgary for, for Calgary schools and, and also regarding uh, start times and uh, dismissal times. So some, some new details announced this week about what we're going to see uh, come fall. And some concern being raised as well. Uh, that maybe the changes to dismissal time is going to have some impact on families. And that maybe as well there's a, a double standard as applies to, to busing fees. Now the CBE is looking to, to waive bus fees for, for a number of families. And there's a $7 million injection from the province that's going to, to allow them to do that. But that's only for those who live within 2.4 kilometers of their designated schools. So joining us to, to kind of clarify some of these changes, what it all means, uh, we welcome to the program here, Carrie Edwards, uh, spokesperson for the Calgary Board of Education. Carrie, thanks for your time here today. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. In terms then of, of the changes to busing and, and busing fees, explain what's changing here. Yeah, so Bill 1, it was introduced in the provincial government uh, back in March, and it is an act to reduce school fees. And uh, in res- with respect to transportation, what that means is that if a student resides more than 2.4 kilometers from their designated school, um, and they ride a yellow bus here in Calgary, in ki- uh, grades kindergarten to grade 9, they would um, be uh, free of charge in terms of no transportation fee. Uh, students in grades uh, 10 to 12 who ride Calgary Transit. We've been working with the government on this potential change. Um, The students buy a pass and we would be rebating the pass, the portion of the pass that students use uh, for accessing the school day only. And we've been working on these changes already since this, since this was, bill was announced back in March. Okay, so the, the, the 2.4 kilometers, so any student that's busing within that that distance, that there won't be bus fees? Attending their regular designated program. So our students okay. in programs of choice, where a parent is making a choice to for their child to attend a different program, fees would still remain. And so that is, again, legislation that the government has brought forward, and that is uh, part of the transportation regulation that they'll be updating and working with the school boards across uh, the province to make those changes. Okay. Well, I mean, when you say choice, because I, I think, most parents make the decision for what they feel is best for their their child, what their child needs in in terms of education. So I I think some parents who are are making use of alternative programs might bristle at at the notion that, you know, this is just merely a choice. And um, so this is what we are talking about in terms of a provincial legislation. So this is what the government um, has put forward through Bill 1, and they describe uh, programs of choice or schools of choice as those that are not the, the designated community school for the child. Okay. So th- this is following the provincial legislation, that's what you're it saying. Is. It's not necessarily CBE policy. That's right. It's provincial legislation. Okay. I uh, wanted to ask you as well uh, about uh, changes to start times and dismissal times. Wh- what's going to be changing next year then? Yeah, so every year, um, as part of the transportation group, I'm the director of planning and transportation, we look at start and end times for all of our schools because we know that when we um, look at aligning our bell times, and this was part of a um, third-party review that was done for us a year and a half ago as well, where the recommendation was made, when we can align bell times and have buses do more than one route in the morning and more than one route in the afternoon, we optimize our efficiencies and reduce the cost of that transportation. So every year, we look 
look at a small number of schools or a, a portion of schools and we look at their start and end times and may change them. This year we're just doing it on a bit larger of a scale. Uh, so what about the impact that might have then for, for parents who now have to, to change their, their schedules? What, what about the impact? How much consideration does that get? Yeah, so for sure we recognize, and as a parent myself with a child in the CB, I understand the challenges around scheduling. This is why we're trying to communicate as early as possible around these start and end times and working with our schools and their principals and helping them um, communicate out to their communities uh, regarding what those changes will be well in advance of the summertime and when busing routes were announced, will be announced, and recognizing that we have to optimize the savings and those efficiencies from our transportation system uh, so that we can avoid um, using operational dollars and keeping that money in the classroom. We'd rather do that than use that money to subsidize transportation costs. Okay. So in, in terms of schools that already have, for example, early dismissal, did, do we know approximately what percentage of, of schools in, in CBE do uh, an early dismissal? Okay. We have a large percentage of schools in the CBE that already do early dismissals. Um, sometimes those are on Fridays. Sometimes they could be another day during the week. Um, but we do, I don't know the exact percentage, uh, but we okay. do have a large number already using that method um, right from kindergarten all the way up. Okay. And, and, and as it pertains then to total number of educational hours, that's not impacted by, by this, Absolutely. is it? Absolutely not. We are required by um, the School Act to provide a minimum number of hours of instruction for our students, 950 hours of instruction over the minimum of 180 school days. These school bell time changes in no way impact that. The school principals will be using those start and end times and aligning their schedules, and parents will be receiving a, a letter from each of their schools outlining how the instructional hours will still be met during the day. So this in no way impacts the number of hours of instruction that students will receive. Right. And in terms of changes then, it, it's going to vary from school to school, isn't it? Yes, the changes will vary from school to school. And some may not see changes. That's right. Some yeah. will not see changes. All right. Well, Carrie, we appreciate you making some time for us here this afternoon. Thanks for the overview on this. No problem, Rob. Take care. Okay. There you go. That's Carrie Edwards uh, speaking for the Calgary Board of Education. Uh, so some schools will see an early dismissal day added. That's schools that don't already have one. For some schools that do have an early dismissal time, it's going to be even earlier. There are going to be some schools, actually, though, that have a later dismissal time. So approximately 48% of schools will see their bell times changed. About 41% will see their early dismissal times changed. All right, so not everybody's necessarily comfortable around some of these changes to, to busing fees, some of these changes to uh, early dismissal time. So I wanted to get a, another perspective on all of this. We'll, we'll say good afternoon here to Lisa Davis, uh, who is founder of Kids Come First. Those with the Calgary Association of Parents and School Councils. Lisa, appreciate you making some time for us here today. No problem. Um, just to clarify, I'm founder of Kids Come First and past president of, of CAPSI. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've had a chance to, to go through some of this, and obviously you, you heard what uh, the CBE just had to say there. So wh what do you make of all of this, first of all? Well, I, I think that these a lot of these changes are really concerning, and I, I find it odd that um, Ms. Edwards doesn't know how many schools have early dismissals because they published a spreadsheet showing how many they do. And the reality is, is that 225 schools, or 90% of schools, have early dismissals. And that includes elementary schools. Now, it's one thing for your 15-year-old to, to leave school early on Friday and make their way home. It's quite another thing to have elementary students who are getting out of school on a Friday at noon. 
And what these changes mean is that um, those parents, those parents who work, um, single parents who work, who don't have flexible jobs or extended family to help, are now going to be scrambling to find childcare for one afternoon a week. And so those folks who are most vulnerable, those families who are most vulnerable, are going to be impacted the most. And um, this was something that we saw two years ago when CB made um, a bunch of changes that they ended up reversing, is that it was, in fact, uh, our most vulnerable families who were impacted the most. And I think that uh, when we look at policies involving children, uh, you have to judge them on the basis of, of how they impact that group. Well, how much impact is there going to be? Because a lot of schools already do have early dismissal times. What's your sense of how how disruptive some of these changes are going to be? I think, uh, so I'll tell you about two conversations I had last night. Uh, One was with a widow of two young children who also lost her father this spring, who used to do a lot of the the childcare after school. And in order for her to accommodate the change to a noon dismissal time on Friday, she's going to have to cut back her hours at work. And so that's actually going to cost her household $300 a month. And so she's looking at that saying, you know, how is it reasonable that as a, as a working parent that that's a burden I have to pay um, to have that early dismissal time? All right. And what about the, the changes to busing fees here? So for, for parents who send their, their children to you know, alternative programs uh, and they have to go a little farther, uh, they're going to be bearing a lot, lot of the burden because they're going to be dropping fees now for, for other kids. So what, what do you make of these changes? Well, again, it's, um, it, it's, it, 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 it's a hard conversation to understand. And, and certainly the minister knew when he brought in this legislation that um, he was not going to be uh, helping families in alternative programs. And we need to be really clear about the value that alternative programs have in the school system. Alternative programs are generally housed in the inner city schools. So the reality is, is that children are going to end up there, and it's just a question of, of which children. And so establishing alternative programs draws children away from their overcrowded community schools. Parents are happy because they're in a, in a program that they see value in, and parents in the local community schools are happy because they get to stay in their local community schools. If there were no alternative programs, we would still be busing children to those inner-city schools. It would just be based on a lottery system. And so you'd have unhappy parents who wanted to stay in their community school instead of being forced to bus. So they actually provide a really important uh, balancing aspect to the uh, school populations. Uh, They're also typically in the oldest schools. The average, uh, a lot of the schools are 50 years plus. They're unrenovated. So I think when you you look at it from a, practically speaking, what these alternative programs provide, um, it's unfortunate that those students are being unnecessarily singled out and and essentially punished for helping to balance um, everybody's school population. And and look, I mean, Carrie pointed out, and it's fair to point out, right, that these changes regarding busing fees, now this comes from the province, right? Definitely. I mean, and and I think we have to go back to this assumption that a 2.4-kilometer walk zone is acceptable because, as you know, if if you have a young child, that's an hour-long walk for a Mm six-year-old. So we don't have adults walking an hour to get to a bus stop. Uh, We certainly don't have anybody in cabinet walking an hour to get from their parking spot to the ledge. And so the the standard of 2.4 kilometers is is actually a, a very low standard. All right. Well, how could the, all of this have been done differently, do you think? 
You know, one of the things, so two years ago, we put in a freedom of information request on, on busing costs. And it was really interesting because what it showed was that the big driver in costs for transportation is actually special needs busing. And so two years ago, uh, 5% of special needs students actually take up 40% of the transportation budget. So it's actually not alternative programs that are driving up the cost. It's actual special needs busing. And, and what you see when you look at the average cost for, to bus a special needs child, it's about $9,000. But the average per student busing fee that, uh, or busing rebate, essentially, that the CB gets is about uh, 550 so if government, in, instead of, of, you know, kind of messing around with who's going to get funded and who's not, just simply funded special needs transportation at its true cost, we wouldn't be in this mess. And, and it's one of the challenges, and you have to give the CB credit and other school boards credit, is that they must look after these special needs children. I mean, they are, they are definitely our most vulnerable. But they also need to be better advocates for with government to to fund what the true costs of of that is and i think if they had simply addressed the co- uh, the cost of special needs busing you would have seen everybody's bus fees go down and you wouldn't see the kind of disruption that parents are going to have to endure in this upcoming september with these early start times um, we'll have kids getting on buses at 7 a.m now and with early dismissals and it's a level of disruption that just frankly shouldn't exist All right. Well, Lisa, we appreciate your input on this story here today. Thanks for making some time for us. You're welcome. All right. That's Lisa Davis, past president of the Calgary Association of Parents and School Councils, founder of Kids Come First. You can go to kidscomefirst.ca for more there. 403-974-8255. That's 974-TALK. What do you make of all of this? We're back with more right after this. All right, welcome back. 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. Uh, getting a few texts regarding the, the early dismissals. Now, I don't know that there's going to be dramatic change necessarily because a lot of schools already do have early dismissal, but it will mean some change, and obviously then for parents, they're going to have to adjust. Right? I mean, and that's the reality for a lot of working parents. We get that. But I think already for a lot of families, there's already, you know, you have to deal with that. Because in a lot of cases, you're going to work before school starts. And in a lot of cases, you're working well past when school ends. So I think a lot of parents are already, they already have arrangements in place. And so it becomes a question of, well, how disruptive is this particular change? But yeah, I guess, you know, if your school, your kid's school goes until three o'clock and then all of a sudden every Friday or once a month, and now all of a sudden they're getting out at noon or one o'clock then yeah, that's going to throw a wrench in things and you got to scramble to make changes. And every school's different too, right? And, and that's the other thing about it. Like my kids are at two different schools. And one's older than the other. On Fridays, one of my kids gets out um, it's around 12.45, I think, on Fridays, just before one o'clock anyway. And the other kid, it's more like two o'clock, just after two o'clock, right around there. And so you figure it out, you know? So that's, I, I get the schools, they, they got to make these tough decisions. And it's, it is going to impact families. At the end of the day, your kid's still in school for the same number of hours. So I think you need to remember that. Because even you say, well, okay, now my schedule's got to change. But still, the end result is that your kid is spending the same number of hours in school.
through the course of the year. So it should all kind of shake out in the end. Uh, on the busing thing, uh, I had one text uh, that suggests, you know, this is pretty much in keeping with the NDP ideology. Uh, that they don't support parents having choices in education. They're trying to discourage parents from going to charter schools or alternative programs or even private schools. Uh, one text here points out that Rob chartered schools are in the public system and get the crumbs in funding. There are four elementary, two middle, and one high school in the city. Issues arise with busing fees and days off. As a parent, we get a break on fees if we drive our kids. But having to accommodate the school schedule means it's difficult to maintain a full-time job. We have one week for fall break, two weeks of Christmas, two weeks for spring break, 10 PD days throughout the year. Plus, the school requires parents to volunteer 20 hours a year. And last year, our school did away with early dismissal. Right? So, but again, as they suggest, early dismissal, maybe not the real issue. There's a lot of other stuff going on here. Uh, and, and I don't think parents are flipping about this stuff, right? If, if you're looking at chartered schools or alternative programs, you're doing so for a reason. You're doing so because you want what's best for your kid. And, and you know, I think we, we should recognize that. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.